Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Jan Hunt, and I serve as a shepherding deacon and part of this year's Honduras mission team. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Grant unto us, O God, the fullness of your promises. Where we have been weak, grant us your strength. Where we have been confused, grant us your guidance. Where we have been distraught, grant us your comfort. Where we have been dead, grant us your life. Apart from you, O Lord, we are nothing. In and with you, we can do all things. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God. Thank you. 
Will you please stand for the call to worship? O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Let us worship God. God's word sometimes comes as a warning. How often we have pushed aside the word we find unpleasant, even if we grudgingly acknowledge that it's truth. We like to postpone any action to change. God comes to us today, saying that our days are shorter than we think. The time for us to repent is now. God of our ancestors, we come to you, confessing that we have set our minds on human things. We have sought to gain the world so, so many things to buy, so many things to do, yet we are not satisfied. Life's meaning eludes us. Your ways seem out of date. Your promises appear as hopes and dreams of a past generation. But in our hearts, we sense an eternal desire, which all generations, a way of life more
more satisfying than we allow ourselves to explore. Oh God, we confess our need for you. In Jesus' name, amen. The mercy of the Lord is everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. And now let us say what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you to turn and say hello to those around you. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms and congratulations. You turned your clocks up an hour and you got out of bed, both. Wonderful. We're very, very proud of you all. It's good to have you here this morning and uh, be kind to those people that come in at about 10 o'clock uh, as you're on your way out the door. Uh, just be nice to them. We are grateful that we can be in worship at this early hour and we're grateful that it was an early hour long ago when Jesus met a woman outside the empty tomb and such begins our Christmas.
Christian faith, which begins the new creation. And that's why we're here this morning. So we hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome. We invite you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those along. And hopefully you'll note those folks who are near you and invite them to be a part of our larger ministry that continues out that door and into the courtyard where we'll have a nice cup of coffee and a chance for further conversation. We have lots of opportunities for you, especially if you're visiting with us today. We would love for you to uh, learn more about uh, membership here at Church of the Palms. We have a new members class at 1015 right over next door in the chapel. So come and join us for that where we'll have a chance to talk about our life together here in the church and what it means to be a part of our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. So come and join us for that next Sunday at uh, 10 o'clock, right at the end of the service, we'll be having a congregational meeting in which we will be uh, taking care of a couple of routine pieces of business, but then also sharing with you our, uh, our master plan, our master facility expansion plan, which we have been praying about and thinking about over many, many years. The College of Elders reviewed this a couple of weeks ago, and we'd love for you to come and uh, hear about that and the plans we have for uh, the future of Church of the Palms. So that's next Sunday at 10 o'clock. Our initiative, mission initiative of Life Tree Cafe, in which we seek to extend the conversation of faith out in our community, will uh, begin again this coming a week from this Tuesday on the 17th, St. Patrick's Day. So come and join us at the Nightlife Center as we begin that uh, new effort to invite others to wonder together with us about uh, who Jesus Christ is and what our faith is all about. Our uh, great talent show, COP's Got Talent, is coming up again in about a week and a half on the 18th of March. If you have any, any shred of talent, <laughs> and I know that's a suspect thing right now, but if, if you have a little bit of talent, we would love for you to come and share that with us. Call the church office, but most importantly, uh, make sure you're there to support those who are sharing their talents with us on the 18th. Our family promise effort, we're still looking for people to help us out with supplies especially, but also to uh, come alongside of homeless families that will be, be on our campus for the course of a week at the end of March. More details about that are in your bulletin, but we also invite you to come out to the courtyard and to uh, find out how you can be a part of all that. And we're grateful to have Teddy and Libby Moser who share with us in worship today as a part of including our youth and students in our life together here at the church. So well done, gang. And uh, we are here also today to recognize our tutors. Uh, Back to Basics Tutoring is a huge ministry here in the life of our church. And it has been a means by which we have sought to bring uh, the very uh, gifts that we have and the gifts of being able to come alongside of students who are struggling in school to share with them not only our knowledge, not only ourselves, but the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And we put skin on by doing that when we come alongside of those who are in need of a little support as they go through their time. You'll see in your insert in your bulletin the names of 200, I think that's right, I counted them up, 200 tutors who have been a part of this ministry. And many of you are sitting here in the pews and we would like to have you stand so that we can recognize you and say thank you for a job well done. So I know you're humble, but please stand if you would mind. Thank you very, very much.
Perhaps the most humble of them all is Judy Armitage, who's way back there in the corner. She's standing, but she's back there because she doesn't want to be recognized. But would you please stand, Judy? Judy is the leader of our Back to Basics tutoring. It's wonderful to see the dedication that not only Judy, but all of the, the Back to Basics tutoring staff have uh, employed toward this great effort and all the phone calls she makes to line up tutors and to line up students. And uh, she would want me to make sure to tell you uh, that we still need tutors, right, Judy? We need tutors. So uh, we have a list of students who would love for a Church of the Palms member to spend an hour with them and to help them kind of get over that little hump that they need. And uh, we would love for you to help us with that in our effort to uh, reach out to our community. So see Judy after the service, and she would be glad to sign you up. Now let's continue our worship.
Let us pray. Our gracious Abba, we speak to you on this day to give thanks for all you do, Lord. Words do not express how much we love and appreciate you and how you sacrificed your only son for our sins. Often when we see the world, we see all the suffering and brokenness. May we look to you in these times of struggle to show us the path to our salvation. Also help us to serve you like a shepherd by being an example of a true follower of Christ and to pour out your love for us so we can share it with others. We pray for the needs of your people. We love you, Lord, and may this beautiful day bring glory and honor to you and your son, Jesus Christ, as we give thanks for the forgiveness of our sins and your presence in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Now let us continue our prayer with the prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we continue our worship, we come to the time when we offer to God our tithes and our gifts. And when we do that, God does amazing things right here on our campus, as we have just seen with all of those tutors who stood up. If you had the chance, and I hope you do have the chance, to be in the campus center on a Tuesday or a Thursday afternoon and see the connections that are going on between the, the tutors and the students and those who serve the snacks and sign the students in. And it is because of what happens during this time of offering that that ministry continues after 15, 16, 17 years. So God bless you. God bless us as we seek to be a blessing to our community. Let us return to God a portion of that with which he has blessed us. The ushers will now come forward to receive the morning tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we confess that we live in a culture that is selfish and encourages us to be concerned about ourselves and our own comforts. But Lord, you have shown us a different way. When we survey the wondrous cross, you show us the way of self-sacrifice, the way of generosity, the way of giving. And so, Lord, we present these tithes and these offerings as a token of the fact that we are learning from what you have taught us. Receive these gifts, these gifts which represent something of a sacrifice. That's what they feel like to us. Multiply them. Use them to accomplish your purpose. Use them that your love and grace may be shared not only on this campus, but in our community and around the globe. These things we pray in the name of the one who gave his all, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Please be seated. And I would like the, to invite the children to come forward to the steps here for a time with Miss Carol and crew. Happy spring break. <laughs> oh, we got lots of kids here. You never know. How's everybody today? All right, so today I, I have something with, here, with me here. It is an invitation to a party. Yeah, a friend of mine has sent an invitation to me so that I'll go to his party. Um, and at the bottom here, it says RSVP. I, I think that's French. Hey, Jonathan, do you speak French? I know you speak French. Yeah. What? Trina, can you, Charlie, can you take the, the, the mic up to Trina? Oh, just tell, what does the RSVP stand okay, for? Okay, so the R is répondez, the S is s'il, the V is vous, and P is plaît. Répondez s'il vous plaît. Oh, what does that mean? It means respond please. So it's just RP instead of RSVP. Respond please. Oh, okay. Please Great. respond. Great. So they want to know if I'm coming to the party or not. Sometimes when we get invited to a party, we don't always, always want to go or we have an excuse and we make up excuses. Have you guys ever used an excuse for something that you haven't wanted to go to? What do you, what do you think, Jared? Uh, I have your, company. You have company. What about you, Avery? Um, I'm gonna be sick that day. Oh, I bet it was school. <laughs> what about you, Charlie? I'm too tired. Oh, okay. Yeah, sometimes we make excuses, and making excuses is nothing new. In fact, in Jesus, back in the Bible times, people made excuses. Jesus tells a story about a king who was having a big party, a great, great celebration, and nobody showed up to his party. In this story, the king 
was celebrating his son was getting married, and so he was making a big wedding celebration. And um, he was preparing a big, big thing. And so all of the preparations were made, the food was made, the um, invitations were sent, and when the celebration happened, no one showed up. No one showed up to the party. So the, the king sent out his servants and said, go find out where all the people are. So the servants went out, and you know what? The people were all explaining that they were too busy and they had excuses. So the king got mad, and he, he told his servants to go out and find people in the street, invite anyone you see, and tell them to come to the celebration. And you know what? That's what they did. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Yep. Well, Jesus, actually, Jesus has sent us an invitation. And the invitation that Jesus sends us is right here in the Bible. Yep. Hey, um, Avery, in your Bible, what does it say in Revelations? Whoever is thirsty, let him come and take the free gift of the water of life. Thanks. What about yours in Matthew? What does it say, Jared? Come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Charlie, what does it say in Matthew also? Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. That's right. Jesus has invited us to come to him. So let's not make excuses to not join Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, your son. We thank you for your invitation to come and receive the free gift of life which you offer. Without making excuses, we say yes, Lord, yes. Amen. Thanks.
seeing Jeff McCauley out there, and uh, I was supposed to, earlier in the service, invite him up to give you a little bit of an announcement. So Jeff, come on up and give us a little bit of an announcement. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, I just wanted to give you a quick update uh, on our student sponsorship and say thank you. As of today, we have 235 families that have supported our student ministry, bringing our total to $27,482. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. Our ministry will continue and will go on, uh, and our students will have an opportunity to encounter God in new and exciting ways because of your generosity. So thank you very much. Good news, and we are grateful, Jeff, for your leadership of that ministry and for all the lives that we are, we are changing and giving the chance to encounter with the good news of Jesus Christ. We also invite you, if you've not yet had the chance, to uh, participate in our stewardship commitments for 2015. Page 20 of your bulletin has a pledge card, a commitment card. If you've not yet had to take, taken the chance to do that, we invite you to do so. You can send it into the church office, drop it off at the church office, wherever is most convenient for you as we uh, complete our stewardship season. Our scripture lessons today are from the New Testaments, from two different Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of John, as we continue in the great story of God, wondering about how God is alive and at work, not only in the days of Jesus, but also in our present time, and the invitation that Christ makes to us all to be a part of his uh, great feast. And so to that end, we read these words that come to us from Matthew chapter 22. Hear the word of God. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I prepared my dinner and my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. And then he said to his slaves, the wedding's ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And then this story from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And Jesus answered, you do not know what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not my feet only, but also my hands on my head. And Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. I read an article a few years ago about a man named Ralph Golio, a restaurant owner up in Massachusetts who decided he wanted to offer a free lunch. Ralph had had a pretty serious heart attack, which he managed to survive, and out of gratitude for being given another chance at life, Ralph made a deal with God that he would offer free lunches to any person over the age of 65. Free, no charge, no strings attached. Come in, have your choice of roast beef and mashed potatoes or haddock with Creole sauce. Not necessarily a heart-happy diet. <laughs> Ralph put his offer in the paper, placed signs in the windows, and was prepared for a line out the door. Much to his surprise, nobody came. Almost nobody. A few folks who knew the wisdom of never turning down a free lunch came and tried it out. But for the most part, what Ralph learned was that people thought there was a catch. No such thing as a free lunch. Must be a gimmick. No restaurant gives away food. Must be overstock he's trying to get rid of. It's free, Ralph would insist. It's free. No, they said there has to be some kind of catch. No such thing as a free lunch. We live in a world, don't we, of catches. We live in a world of gimmicks tricks to get you to sign on the dotted line, pay more than it's worth, bait and switch. There's a sucker born every minute, either said by P.T. Barnum or about him. Who was it that said that when you put together a man with experience but no money, with a man who has money but no experience, it's the man with the experience who gets the money and the man with the money who gets the experience? So we were taught long ago to be on the watch. Any offer that seems too good to be true is just that too good to be true. You get only that which you pay for. Just ask Ralph Golio. So maybe Ralph Golio would be nodding his head when 
he would hear Jesus' story about the king and his feast. The king has prepared a feast for his people, and he's made the invitation list, and he's eager to eat, drink, and be merry with his people, but, but maybe it's just too good to be true. Maybe there's a catch. Maybe there's a gimmick. Can't be, can't be too good if you're not going to charge anything, so, so everybody's got some sort of excuse, as we just learned, to miss this feast. Maybe the word got out on Facebook and Twitter that the right people don't seem to be coming. The, the beautiful people won't be there. Better to, better to go to one of those fancy restaurants that requires a second mortgage for portions one-tenth the size of the plate. Lord knows the reasons, but the Lord is not happy. The heck with them, he says. Let's open the gates and invite anyone who wants to come. The good, the bad, doesn't matter. I'm just interested in a party. I want people who want to be here, and so they come. Those who are not too smart for their own good, people who know a bargain when they see it, and they come into the kingdom for the free lunch, and they eat, and they drink, and they make merry. This is what the kingdom is, Jesus says. It's, it's the free lunch. Pity those, Jesus says, who are just too smart for their own good. Those people who want to be in those circles, you have to earn yourself into. Have you ever been in one of those circles, those circles you have to earn yourself into? It happened long ago when we were young. You didn't have to get much beyond the first grade to find that there were those circles you had to earn yourself into, the, the circle of the smart kids and the circle of the cool kids and the circle of the athletic kids and the circle of the rich kids. And maybe you spent a lot of time trying to earn yourself into one of those circles, or, or maybe your parents spent a lot of time trying to get you to earn yourself into one of those circles, or, or maybe you did anything you thought to do to get yourself into one of those circles. Why, why maybe you even sold your soul to earn yourself into one of those circles. Junior high was my time. I was not particularly cool. I was not particularly smart. I was not particularly athletic. I knew that comes as a big surprise to all of you. <laughs> but there was that group, the cool, smart, athletic group. And I worked so hard to be something I really wasn't particularly. And I made it. I earned my way into the group. And when I got there, I realized two things, that the group was not what I thought it was. They really weren't very nice people. And lo and behold, the second thing is that I was turning into someone who wasn't very nice either. And it doesn't stop in childhood. The older we get, the stakes get higher. Oh, that we might do what we might do to get ourselves into that right group, that right club, that right organization, that right college, that right fraternity, what, what little parts of our soul we might sell to earn ourselves in. C.S. Lewis writes about the inner ring and that one of the great temptations we all face is the temptation to get ourselves into that inner ring there's so much we have to give away to get there, writes Lewis, of all the passions, the passion for the inner ring is the most skillful in making a man who's not yet a very bad man do very bad things. But the king says, join me for lunch. Join the group, the one 
you don't have to earn yourself into that group of people who know a bargain when they see it. I love that scene in Kurt Vonnegut's novel, Jailbird, where Walter Starbuck, a man who's been in prison for a couple of years for a Watergate crime, is released, and he's left to stumble around midtown Manhattan wondering if he has any value, any worth, any chance of being accepted after what he has done and the time he has served. He finally makes his way over to a coffee shop, and this is how Vonnegut describes the scene. By, by the time I reached the coffee shop door, my self-confidence had collapsed. Panic had taken its place. I, I believed I was the ugliest, dirtiest little old bum in Manhattan. If I went into the coffee shop, everybody would be nauseated. They would, they would throw me out and tell me to go to the Bowery where I belong. But, but I somehow found the courage to go in anyway. And imagine my surprise. It was as though I had died and gone to heaven. A waitress said to me, Honey Bunch, you sit right down. I'll bring you your coffee right away. I hadn't said anything to her, so, so I sat down, and everywhere I looked, I saw customers of every description being received with love. To, to the waitresses, everybody was honey bunch and darling and dear. It was like an emergency ward after a great catastrophe. It didn't matter what race or class the victims belonged to. They were all given the same miracle drug, which was coffee. I, I had the feeling that if Frankenstein's monster crashed into the coffee shop through a brick wall, all anybody would say to him was, you sit right down here, lamb chop, and I'll bring you your coffee right away. <laughs> Such is the feast of the kingdom, the feast for those who know a bargain when they see it. But then there's a twist. Matthew gives us a twist that we don't see in Luke's gospel and Luke's telling of the story. No, for Matthew, the story isn't over. A, a surprise is yet to come. For, for once the party has started for the good, the bad, and the ugly, namely you and me, once the party has gotten started, the king looks around and notices that there is not one who is not dressed right. He, he's not wearing the right outfit. There has been a violation of the dress code. And much to our surprise, the king's response is very harsh. The one who is not dressed right is thrown out. Whoa, 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 we say, how, how, can, how can this be? I mean, I thought this was the kingdom of the free lunch. Isn't this the party for the good and the bad and the ugly? Now you're talking about a dress code. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I knew there'd be a catch. I knew it was too good to be true. Bait and switch, small print at the bottom of the page. And of course we jump to this suspicion, we who have been taught to be on our guard, to look out for the catch, the gimmick, the come on. But maybe there's more to it than that. Because this is Matthew's gospel, Matthew's telling of the story. And we right, might remember that in his gospel, the punchline is soon to come. And the punchline comes a couple of more chapters later when the king, the king who was given the free lunch, Jesus tells us that the king will someday come with his angels to separate the sheep and the goats. And there will be in that moment the punchline. We will see finally what the king's always been looking for. And what the king is looking for is for those who get the point. He's looking for those who get the point that they, in fact, are the ones who got the free lunch, that they were the good and the bad and the ugly, and that they've been given the meal that they have not earned. 
And so struck by the fact that they had been given a free feast, they get the point that the kingdom is not only about getting the free lunch, it is about the giving of the free lunch. To the least of these, Jesus says, the sick, the hungry, the homeless, the imprisoned, the lonely. Oh, this is what the kingdom's about. The dress code is not what we might think. It's not the black tie, not the evening gown, not the Giorgio Armani. Oh, no, no, you'd be out of place with that attire. No, the king is looking for the servant's coat. He's looking for the aprons. He's looking for the rolled up sleeves. He's looking for the dirty jeans. He's looking for those who see the joy of tasting the meal, and of serving it. That's what Jesus is trying to make clear in that last feast, right? The one we read about in John's Gospel that those disciples who had spent so much time trying to figure out who was the greatest in the kingdom, who's going to sit at Jesus' right, who's going to sit at his left, those disciples watch as Jesus stands up from the meal and before him, before them, shows them what the kingdom is about. It's not just in the partaking of the feast, Jesus says. Now it's the serving. So change of dress, don the new uniform. He wraps a towel around his waist and bends and washes the feet of the good and the bad and the ugly. Yes, there is a dress code for the meal. It's whatever you have to wear to make sure someone else gets the free lunch. It's what John Williams saw. John Williams, bus driver in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, driving his bus on one of those bone-chilling 10-degree Wisconsin days that we've all escaped from. He pulled up at the stop to let the next group of travelers on to the bus on, one being a pregnant woman with tattered coat, torn socks, and no shoes. No shoes. 10 degrees, no shoes. John looked into the mirror as he watched her make her way back to find a seat and wondered what was he going to do he didn't have to wonder too long, for in his mirror he could see a young man, young Frank Daly, 14 years old, walk forward from the back of the bus in his bare feet, socks and shoes in hand, and said, try these. Towel around your waist, sockless, shoeless feet, it's the new rage, the new fashion. Paul talked about it when he listed his own dress code. We remember in Colossians 3, clothe yourselves, he says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and to tie the whole outfit together, put on, he says, love. Maybe that's what Charles Stoddard was seeing when he visited the legendary Molokai leper colony on the Molokai Peninsula in Hawaii. You've heard of this place. Historic suspicions about leprosy and its contagion led 20 plus centuries of human civilization 
from long before the days of Jesus to treat lepers worse than animals and to banish them to remote places like Molokai to fend for themselves and die alone. A young Catholic priest, Father Damien, sensed the call to offer himself to the Molokai community to minister to the least of these. He put on his towel and took off his shoes and entered into the life of the least of these. Having received his free lunch, now it was time to serve it. Charles Stoddard, a writer, dared to visit the colony to see who this man was who would do such a thing. And as he approached the makeshift chapel in the midst of the colony, out came Father Damien. Stoddard writes, his priest's cassock was worn and faded, his hair tumbled like a schoolboy's, his hands stained and hardened by the toil. But the glow of health was on his face, the buoyancy of youth in his manner, while his ringing laugh, his ready sympathy, and his inspiring magnetism told of one who in any sphere would do a noble work, who in any sphere would do a noble work, any sphere, for what sphere and what person couldn't use a free lunch? The good, the bad, the ugly, you, me, and what to wear, <laughs> what to wear to the feast of the king. Faded cassock, damp, dusty towel, shoeless feet, new attire for those who serve the feast.
Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.